Welcome to Shortcut to Sunday. I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And this is your podcast for August 16th, 2020, proper 15, the 11th Sunday after Pentecost. Bruce, how are you doing today? I am doing fine. We have some thunderstorms in the area, but hopefully they won't shut off our <laughs> various forms of connection between our two households. Yes, we shall see. We are obviously yeah. coming to you not live on behalf of Holy Family Episcopal Church in Fishers, Indiana. And, uh, and um, yeah, kind of a little bit of a dreary day as we record this. Uh, but uh, I don't know. It can't last forever, right? So... Um, yeah, just for now. Snow someday. Yeah, someday. <laughs> some someday we'll be buried in a blizzard. It'll be fine. Um, <laughs> It'll be bright. Exactly. Uh, but uh, but yeah. So we're we're chugging along, kind of mid mid of the middle point of the season. Uh, yeah, really. it's gone by quickly for me, anyway. Yeah, um, quickly and not quickly enough. I mean, it's it's yeah. it, like this, our all of our senses of time have been completely decimated at this point. So. That's true. Yeah, in <laughs> fact, the the only real steady thing, I, appointment, so to speak, I have through the week since we're worshiping pre-recorded online is our steady time of when we record this podcast. So that's kind of my yeah. anchor for what day of the month it is, <laughs> or the week, or the yeah. Well, I You're... definitely know today is Monday. The rest, yeah. of, the rest of the time is, I don't know. Chaos time. <laughs> <laughs> but our online worship is is very meaningful, even as we're joking about it. So yeah. you are welcome to partake of that any Sunday at 9 a.m. for a Facebook watch party or anytime from Saturday afternoon on via our YouTube channel. Good plug. Good plug. Thank you. I, I couldn't resist. <laughs> I approve. Um, well, let's uh, let's jump over to our word of the day. Um, and and I made it. I made a decision uh, this morning, Bruce. As I'm going through these words, this is the third time that I'm going through the alphabet in the uh, Episcopal Dictionary website. Um, after I finish mining words in order uh, this round. I think next round is going to be uh, are going to be the people that appear in this dictionary. That there's, oh. there's a ton of there of, are of uh, individuals who are identified in this Episcopal dictionary. Uh, that some of them have some very fascinating stories. Um, and so it might and, not be and, stump the priest. It might be like let's learn together or hey, yeah. I know this one. <laughs> What, what am I going to name my next dog? <laughs> yeah, that it very well could be, right? That's a very clergy thing to name a dog after an obscure figure in Episcopal history. <laughs> hey, whatever you want to name your familiar, that's, that makes yeah. sense. That makes sense to me. Um, and if I can make a suggestion, if sure. um, any of our one or two listeners want to send in a word, that they want to see if it'll stump us. Ooh, that's a good idea. Yeah, you can yeah. email us at uh, shortcut at hfec.org, a, a, a stump the priest word. Um, yeah. Literally any time. But yeah, I thought I'd, uh, I thought I would throw out that idea. It's a strange time to do a hook uh, as we're as right. I'm in the middle of, uh, of the bees. It might be a little while <laughs> till we make that turn. <laughs> But uh, something to look forward to, I guess, if you're tired yeah. well, of, tired you can of only, the obscure if, words that I pull out if, of the dictionary. 
if, if someone comes across reading some English murder mystery or something, uh, interesting word they want to hear us discuss, they can, we can always interrupt your ordering through the dictionary. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's almost a separate podcast, uh, Away with Episcopal Words. Uh, we'll yeah. watch out. <laughs> watch out, WFYI. We'll, uh, <laughs> we're gonna, yeah, I we're love gonna, that show. I do, too. It's a fascinating I always feel show. smarter as I drive listening to it. Yeah, yeah. It, well, it, I couldn't be dumber, so... Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, definitely feel smarter after I listen to it. <clears throat> I'll learn something. Um, yeah, I learned me something today. <laughs> that's right. So, Bruce, your stumping word uh, today, uh, appearing in the bees, is breviary. Oh, it's like a prayer book. Dang it, you got that one. Okay, yes. yeah. <laughs> well, and, yeah, it's, it's a more Roman Catholic word than Episcopal word, typically. Mm -hmm. um, in part because... The Episcopal Church at any given time has one Book of Common Prayer, whereas in the Roman tradition, um, there are various authorized uh, collections of prayers. Mm -hmm. And so, um, gosh, I can think of at least three or four Roman Catholic breviaries that are for sale at the local church supply store, if that still exists, whereas they'd be just one Book of Common Prayer. Got it. Yeah. Um, yes. Uh, the, the strict definition here, according to the website, a liturgical book used for recitation of the divine office or canonical, uh, canonical hours. Um, which, which means daily prayers right. rather than Sunday worship. Right. Exactly. Um, it, um, what was the, the part that was kind of interesting? Oh, uh, the first breviaries began to appear as early as the 11th century. Uh, and they're portable uh, because they're smaller, so they were spread throughout Europe during the expansion of the Franciscan Order in, in the 13th century. So mm -hmm. they could, uh, kind of kind of had a 200 year um, uh, life in in more of a regionalized way, and then 13th century was when they started to really show up all across Europe uh, and and uh, um, became. Um, a little bit more pronounced, but yeah, as, as you kind of pointed out, there's many different, um, versions. So, um, if you, it, depending on <laughs> where, if you were a traveling person at that period of time and happened to frequent, uh, uh, a, a church, uh, in, in every spot that you go to, you would, uh, you would very potentially, um, uh, hear a different daily office. Right. Uh, um, style, uh, depending on what church that you, you know, what, what, uh, what location you went to at, at a period, any period of time. So, um, and you're right, there are, uh, several of them that have been compiled for use, um, uh, even within the Episcopal church. So there, there are some that are, that are available, but you're, you, you are also absolutely right that the, uh, book of common prayer kind of contains like a, the set. Um, right, design they're all that are quote unquote official for us. <laughs> yeah, and the and they're the basis of the various Episcopal breviaries that are circulating. Many times, uh, religious orders, so those you know, group of people that are praying together daily, um, will produce their own breviary that 
is based on the Book of Common Prayer just for ease of physical use. And now that we have the advantage of the internet, there are individuals who create their own breviaries and share them over the internet, saying, okay, here are the readings in the Episcopal world. Here are the readings from the Book of Common Prayer, the scripture readings that are assigned. But here are some other prayers that you might mm -hmm. find helpful that I've come across from this source and that source and the other source. So, um, I, you know, I have a breviary on my iPhone to help me pray the daily office. So oh. it's a, interesting how the technologies evolved with them. Uh, now, would that be like every once in a while you or Deacon Kathy will come to um, some sort of a, an event with like a, I don't know, a prayer from somewhere in New Zealand? Would, would that be like coming from a breviary out of In In that there, case, or? not. The okay. um, Church of New Zealand's a sister church to the Episcopal Church, and they, so they have their own book of common prayer, and... Um, we call it the New Zealand Prayer Book in the Amer in the United States, and they had a, a a different way of revising a different literary style in revising than the Episcopal Church took when we revised ours in the 1970s. The New Zealand Prayer Book is about the same age, and so often it just has a different cadence and mm -hmm. literary style, and so sometimes kind of wakes up our hearts a little bit to gotcha. hear a prayer in a different lingo. Gotcha. So not so much a, a, a breviary as a as a difference of the of books of common prayer. Right. Exactly. Got it. That's. But those kind of differences are are interesting. And like and like you said, uh, um, I like the way that you phrase that. Waking up our hearts, or or, or just yeah, kind of jogging us out of um, our, our standard practice. It, it kind of yeah, breaking routine. Yeah, always good. Always good, and except for podcasts on, uh, on on a single day to start your week. Let's <laughs> never break that routine. We need this. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so thanks for joining us. Um, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, let's. Uh, well, then let's let's move away from the breviary and uh, let's move on to uh, not so much the daily office, but uh, the the the. The readings for actually, I want to say one more thing about breviaries. Please, please do. Um, you know, I talked about the technical things. The hugely important thing about was it really encouraged people to pray frequently, often, and wherever they were because they were first published in very portable books. Mm. So you could keep one in your pocket and just before you had your lunch, pray the noonday prayers for the day and that sort of thing. So mm -hmm. it, it really did um, shift the everyday spirituality of a lot of Christians. And it became, out of that, it be, in part, it became an expectation that clergy pray the daily offices. So it really um, almost revolutionized the spirituality of the clergy that in the Middle Ages had become increasingly secularized. So it was, the breviaries were a huge, and again, it was a technological advancement of being able to publish a book that small, right? publish a book at all that was portable, um, that furthered people's spiritual lives, just like having it on an iPhone today would be. Yeah, I, I, you know, as you mentioned that, the other thing that kind of strikes me is that it goes, th this, this opens up 
uh, a more individualistic approach because as you kind of pointed out like the the breviaries are would vary and could be kind of developed um individually which right. kind of flies a little bit in the face of kind of the traditional at least the traditional mindset of the church back then which is a little bit more monolithic and um you know we at least have the 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 impression that the church with a capital C uh, at that point in time was a lot more um, maybe controlling and uh, trying to set um, um, set content a very specific way and set beliefs a very specific way yeah. or at least that's and how this, we continue to portray it in a lot of literature and and uh, um, you know movies and TV movies and that kind of a thing right. Um, this kind of flies and, in that face, in the face of that. Yeah, yeah, and there's some nuances to that monolithic view, but what the important point is that the breviaries, for the most part, were unregulated. And right. so, yeah, they could develop regional differences, and people could choose which one suited their spiritual journey the best, and, and yeah, in many ways set up a path for an individual-based spirituality, for better or for worse, that Christianity is still um, following. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think for better. Okay, um, now I'll shadow so about So let's move on to the more monolithic readings. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the readings here for uh, Proper 15, um, we've got, uh, again, we're going to go with the non-Genesis reading. We've been into Genesis a lot. So we're going to go with the Isaiah reading for the first reading. Um, Isaiah 56, verse 1. And uh, verse 6 through 8. Thus says the Lord, maintain justice and do what is right, for soon my salvation will come and my deliverance be revealed. And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants, all who keep the Sabbath and do not profane it and hold fast my covenant. These I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. Thus says the Lord God, who gathers the outcasts of Israel, I will gather others to them beside those already gathered. Um, this is, we're still in the second Isaiah, correct? Wrong! <laughs> Dang it. So this is the switchover. Yeah, exactly. Which is, um, verse, which is why verse we start one. with verse 1. Okay, got yeah, it. That's the switch. Got it, got it. Um, so, 3rd Isaiah, 3rd third, third writer of yep. Isaiah. Um, uh-huh. The, so, so, tell me here, because we do skip, kind of like, we get our intro, uh, which is as you kind of pointed out uh, why we're doing it, because this, this is like the start of a new a new writer. So we get our little intro, and then we skip four verses, five verses. Um, what is, like, what's the tone of this new book? Is it, it, it doesn't really pick up where the other one left off, right? Not at all. Okay. It's, the first two books of Isaiah are aimed at the people who are in exile in Babylonia. And okay. Second Isaiah, so the middle part, is to encourage them to make that journey back to the what we now call the Holy Land, back to, towards Jerusalem and all, which would have been a very scary 
um, thing to undertake for these folks. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they were being freed. The emperor of Babylonia was volunteer, voluntarily freeing them, but they were scared to go to the unknown and leave the lives that they gotten used to. Mm -hmm. So that's first and second Isaiah. Come on, you can do it. God is with you. Third Isaiah presupposes they have now arrived. And are, so presupposes. Presupp yeah. So first Isaiah, second Isaiah, come on, you can do it. Third Isaiah, aren't you glad you got here? Gotcha. But so, but, but was it written before they actually did? Is that no. what you mean by presuppose? No, it was written after they got there. Okay. Okay. And it, and it presumes the reader knows that. Oh, okay. Okay. That, that I got you. That's, that's that, what you mean by presuppose. Okay. Yeah. That's the supposing. <laughs> Um, got it, got it, got it. And yeah, so it doesn't have, third Isaiah, it doesn't have nearly the strong unified body that both first Isaiah and second Isaiah have. Instead, it's almost like, you know, here's some other stuff that, that really should be in this book. Let's get them together and then it'll be done. Mm, okay. Um, so it's kind of, it's a collection of various oracles and poems and things like that that all take place in the setting of Israel resettling Jerusalem, the land of Israel, the land of Judah. Got it. Got it. Um, and so like right off the bat, it seems like this author is saying, hey, remember how you had to travel to, you know, this new land, you had to make that scary journey. Um, here the author is mentioning Look, foreigners who kind of make that same journey and then and 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 maintain the Sabbath and and love the Lord and and everything. Uh, I will also bring these to the, my holy mountain. Is he is the author really talking about foreigners? Was that kind of yeah? The, okay, I wasn't sure if that was more of a medical metaphorical uh, uh, term. So, so the 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 people of Israel are, uh, I guess it's the the impression that we get is that they are very leery of of uh, people from outside coming in. Yeah, and this is the author saying, look, if they're if they're adhering to this custom of loving God and uh, uh, following all of God's commandments. Um, they're they're welcome and they're you know right. bring them in and and they're 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 going to be uh, a part of of that group, um, which in a way kind of mirrors the um, the Pauline approach uh, post resurrection and ascension of mm -hmm. hey look it's the you know this is this this message is not for us and for us alone we're not expect we're not supposed to be an island here. This this is for 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 others, and we need to share this. Uh, and it's kind of a very similar message, right? Or at least and and of course, out. oh yeah, and yeah. the both Christ and the the uh, early Christians had the Book of Isaiah as one of their primary texts. You know, mm -hmm. they didn't have written down Gospels or anything yet, and so Isaiah and the Book of Psalms were their two primaries, and. Yeah, so it's not surprising that Paul, the earliest writer we still have about Christianity, was pulling 
from Isaiah some of these very strong themes about God now being available to all, not just um, to the people that were worshiping at the temple. Yeah, yeah. Um, and go ahead. And you and part of that is how. Um, yeah, the, the scripture has great psychology, so to speak, mm-hmm. and, and not everywhere. But this is one of those places <laughs> where, where, if we go through a two or three generation um, crisis slash um, tragedy of being pulled from our land, pulled from our homes, taken miles and miles away into indentured servanthood and then sent back um, freed it would not be surprising if we'd say okay we've done everything anyone could have possibly asked of us including God so we're going to hunker down and get back to what we used to do The you know, we'll try to resurrect the old normal uh-huh. and part of that is taking care of only ourselves because it's clear to us the rest of the world will not take care of us, even if God's trying. And hmm. so um, part of Second Isaiah and a lot of Third Isaiah is saying, sorry, you guys still have a mission. And it's not to take care of yourselves alone, but to take care of the whole wide world now. Um, so it's you know, surprising that this um, community that anyone would not blame for just resting for a couple generations is immediately given this new vision of what it means to be a holy people, which is not to be a closed off society, but rather a society that's open to everyone. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he's also kind of saying, don't, don't forget who you are and where you came from. Don't forget that right. just a generation or two ago, you would have, you know, you would have desperately, uh, uh, and, and, openly accepted um any help you would have gotten from <laughs> from someone who didn't yeah wasn't trying to enslave you and don't forget that uh, that message of of um of uh, acceptance and and grace and kindness um and and give uh, give give to others that sanctuary that you so desperately would have would have welcomed you know, not just right a, a for yourself or two yeah. ago for yourselves. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and this has that beautiful <clears throat> phrase about, um, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. Mm-hmm. And it seems like, you know, as soon as the prophet said that people are, Oh, that's beautiful. But here are the exceptions. <laughs> I mean, right, and, we're, right. and we still do that. Of oh yeah, you know our church is a house of prayer for all people, unless dot dot right. dot. Right, and so this is another one of those little kicks in the head of saying, "Are you really fulfilling this? You know, are, mm. Is this truly how you're seeing who you are as a Christian, who you are as a congregation, who you are as a denomination?" And since we're humans, we're always falling short. So it's good to have this verse fairly regularly in front of us to help us get better at it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, uh, as, as you mentioned that, uh, my mind immediately went to, um, what we're dealing with right now. Uh, and for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples is 
could kind of almost be the motto as to the you know one of the reasons why we're not opening back up uh, in-person gatherings um, because it wouldn't be a, a, a house for all all people's like oh yeah you can come yeah so long as you haven't been sick and so long as you're not in a quote unquote uh, at risk category you're mm-hmm. welcome <laughs> but everybody yeah. else <laughs> yeah if you don't mind risking your life come on in <laughs> right right <laughs> and uh, so until we can be a house for uh, of prayer for all peoples we 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 will be a house of prayer for all peoples online where yeah. we where we all can be uh, uh, joined. So, which isn't my favorite. I mean, I, I think no. that's, that's fair to say, and I think that would probably be the the, the wide sentiment. Uh, uh, but uh, it uh, it is what it is what we have available at this point in time, and it's right. not that bad, right? Well, <laughs> and thank goodness we have the technology. I mean, in, in, uh, yeah, goodness, can you I, imagine? I think I've said this before on the podcast, but in the huge flu pandemic of 1918, the best the churches could do, which were shut down, the best the churches could do would be to publish sermons in the Saturday or Sunday morning paper. Yeah, in the local paper. Um, yeah. Which is, yeah, I was thinking about that the, the other day as I was as I was uh, putting together this past Sunday's service. How weird that would have been or it would be to maybe go through this pandemic and literally not have any of this technology, not be able to talk to people, not be able to see them online. Um, and mm-hmm. then show up, a, you know, however long it's going to be a year later and, and, and finally be able to see someone in, in, yeah. in, in, in their, in all our physical forms. And, who, who are you again? <laughs> you know, <laughs> what are we doing? New name does, tags for everyone. <laughs> how does this work? You know, it literally not having any connection to um, uh, a church service uh, of any kind whatsoever for, for yeah. such a long period of time. How incredibly odd um, and and uh, weird and disconcerting that would be to, to, to come back to it after a while. Um, yeah, so... To pull it back to the scripture, in a way, that's what the community Isaiah is talking to experienced. Um, it wasn't a pandemic, but instead it was be, being torn away from their house of worship. Right. And only now do they get to go back and worship as they used to. Right. And again, God is challenging them with a... Don't just do it like you used to. Really, open those doors up to all foreigners, right? Or, or, uh, or, or maybe uh, for some, they had already been doing that in the old, you know, in the old version, and this is, and this would then serve as a reminder of like, hey, don't forget, this yeah. is how this is how we were, you know, this is what we were called to do. This is what um, prophets of old uh, had have told you. So don't forget the that message. Um, Right. Don't forget that that uh, that formula, that that way of, of, of operating, and that mindset. So, um, well, then let's move on to Paul here in Romans. Okie dokie. Romans chapter eleven, verse one through two a, and then we skip. We do a yada yada yada, and <laughs> uh, skip all the. Actually, that's a fair a fair amount uh, down the down the line. Uh, we skip all the way to verse twenty nine through 32 I ask then has God rejected his people by no means 
I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people, whom he foreknew, for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Just as you were once obedient to God, but now have received mercy because of their disobedience, so they have now been disobedient in order that, by the mercy shown to you, they too may now receive mercy. For God has imprisoned all in disobedience so that he may be merciful to all. Um, let's work backwards on my question on this. Um, that sounds weird. <laughs> um, so what's your question? <laughs> what? God has imprisoned all in disobedience so that he may be merciful to all? It sounds like... Uh, it sounds like uh, God intentionally put you in a position uh, <laughs> where he can have mastery over you, or like it sounds. It sounds almost the wording makes it sound manipulative. What is he talking about? Well, it's not. It, look, we tend to individualize scripture when most scripture is actually written collectively for with no. It's a collective about me. In mind. It's, it's all about me. <laughs> okay, so for everyone else, we don't have to worry about it being in prison. Only Ben is. <laughs> yep. Um, and so this is Paul being poetic, and you know, ta and talking about how humanity was created by God. That's the mm -hmm. imprisonment part. Um, okay. Because we were not created to be divine beings. We were limited. To being human beings, and therefore we're imprisoned in these bodies that Paul has mixed emotions about often, <laughs> um, and that, in a sense, this the, the this is the deck you have been dealt as a human being. Mm. Uh, remember, we've had all sorts of verses in Romans about I do what I don't want to do and um, that sort of stuff. Um, and I'm just looking at the Greek real quickly. The um, it, it, I'm trying to see what where they get imprisoned for this translation. Um, hmm. Yeah, because the the Greek term is more bound up. Um, hmm. Okay. That. And in, and it is a collective term that you are all um, limited by the way you, God created you. Uh, you're not an infinite being. You're not um, automatically faithful. But instead you have the capacity for faith or not faith. Hmm. And the, let's see if it's, yeah, that, that term disobedience in the Greek is um, really about disbelief rather than oh. bad action. Okay. So I, I fear that with our English Christianity um, so bound up in right action that our translations have been a little bit poisoned by that. Um, because it has the term in prison, it has disobedience, um, which you know 
of course, we think of a legal system of, okay, someone broke the law, they get imprisoned. So that's what God must be thinking of here. When really it's about God has created the human race, not just one person, to be limited, mm -hmm. to not be a co-God with God. And that part of the condition of being a limited being is not be able to, being able to have infinite belief, infinite faith. Okay. But the result of that, which is translated accurately, is God showing mercy. Got it. Right. Yeah. Um, so, so he's basically, it, it, Paul's basically setting, like, uh, or reinforcing uh, a, a concept that you and I have discussed before. And I think over Pauline letters and, and, and uh, some of his structured arguments in the past, you can't do this on your own. Um, right. You, you know, if if you think that that uh, you alone can you know can accomplish this and can be uh, and and do this without God, you're 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 wrong, and here are the reasons why. Um, and you know, it, it's it's it, it may may even arguably be the act of God showing you mercy that connects you um, right more thoroughly with your Creator. Um, so not only not only can you not do it, don't try. <laughs> yeah there's no yeah that and again he's talking to a pagan audience right where there's various um stories about people being demigods being semi-gods mm -hmm. and part of the supernatural universe they imagine is people of various levels of divinity or creatures of various levels of divinity existing and so Paul's blowing that out of the water and saying, look, there's God and there's humanity. There's, there's not the stuff in between. And you, in fact, are all in the same boat. You don't get to aspire to being a demigod. You are all imperfect, but God has mercy on you. God, mm -hmm. And, you know, Webb and Nice, if he had used... Uh, uh, plural pronouns along lines of we rather than you, so it was clear that he meant everyone. Mm -hmm. But that that wouldn't have worked with how the passage starts about where he contrasts yeah. um, people, the the Jews and the new people that are coming to God. Yeah, just uh, it's just to clarify because we do have a, a fairly significant gap here in this reading. Um, what's missing there is. Um, He's, he starts off, and we get the, which is kind of the odd part of how this, this reading is structured. It starts off with the, the, this question that then he then starts to deconstruct and contradict, right? So he's, he's yeah. posing the question, has God rejected his people? No, by no means. It, it, what's contained here in this verse is not the answer <laughs> uh, to, <laughs> to, to his question. Um, in, I myself am an Israelite. I'm a descendant of Abraham. And then he take he takes several verses talking about, hey, you remember remember this story, which I think was just last week in Elijah, um, how there was a back and forth uh, between Elijah and God, talking about yeah. how they, you know, Elijah's actually proactively um, saying like, God, we're you know we're lost, forsake, almost encouraging him to forsake his people. And mm -hmm. God's response is no, that's not going to happen and, and it never will. So when he's referring to they uh, in these uh, in these verses 29 through 32, he's referring to 
the Israelites of the past. They have already made these mistakes uh, and they've already, you know, they've already uh, gone through this uh, so that you can learn from their, their yeah. historical lessons. Uh, yeah. This is, this is part of the reason why Episcopalians are so strong on the Hebrew scriptures, the old Testament still counting. Right. We think yeah. that's part of what Paul's referring to here is that, yeah, all that is still valuable and has to be discerned. So, you know, we, re we as Episcopalians reject the, Passages that are now used as, for instance, anti-gay passages or um, anti-foreigner passages because we see the shifting within the Hebrew scriptures from a very, very strict fence around the Jewish people to what we had in this morning's Isaiah of God said, okay, time to take down the fence. You right. have now grown spiritually enough that it's time for you to really be open to the whole wide world. And so that's what now Paul is building on is exactly. Yeah. Is that call to the Jews to, and the, the phraseology that Paul uses repeatedly is Jews versus Greeks. And that's another word for Gentiles. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and if one thinks about that, that kind of a setup, like, you know, why didn't, why didn't, uh, why didn't God just start off with, uh, that mindset and from the word go, um, you know, why, why would there need to be a shift at all? God is God. And you know, why, why, why would God change? Um, but logistically, if you think about how the world was structured and, and, um, regionalized and warring at the time, there was kind of a, there would have been a, you know, a need for kind of a defense mechanism for the, you know the the Israelites to survive. Yeah. Um, so there was there was a time for um, isolation and focusing on <laughs> on survival, um, which is why, as you pointed out, the third writer of uh, Isaiah is like, okay, that time that time is 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 past. We need to right now. We we we're, we've survived. We've gone through the worst of it. We've we've been imprisoned. We've been uh, subjugated to slavery. And, you know, we are freed and we're home. And it, now is t the time to start to think outside of ourselves. Yeah. Open the gates wide. Yeah. So let us move on, unless you have anything else for Romans. Well, I, I'm aware of how much time I took with Breviary, so we better just <laughs> <laughs> move let's it along. Let's <laughs> move on to Matthew uh, chapter 15. Um Verse and and I don't know actually I didn't let me hop back over to your email real quick are we are we doing the optional Let's um, go and and do the optional today I'm not sure okay. if that'll be re read on Sunday or not We'll uh we'll we'll include the optional verses ten through twenty uh and then continue on uh, so so depending on whether or not you worship with us uh, or not uh you you might hear just verses twenty one through twenty eight on uh, your Sunday service Yeah the second so, half. Uh, and it reads this way. Then he called the crowd to him and said to them, Listen and understand, it is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but it is what comes out of the mouth that defiles. Then the disciples approached and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees took offense when they heard you, what you said? He said, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. Let them alone, they who they are blind guides of the blind. 
And if one blind person guides another, both will fall into a pit. But Peter said to him, Explain this parable to us. Then he said, Are you also still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth enters the stomach and goes out into the sewer? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this is what defiles. For out of the heart comes evil intentions, murder, adultery, fornication, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile. Jesus left that place and went away to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Just then, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and started shouting, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David, my daughter is tormented by a demon. But he did not answer her at all. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she keeps shouting after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. He answered, It is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, Woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed instantly. Um, so we can kind of see uh, the reason. And at first glance, you kind of kind of go, okay, that first part of the, you know, story doesn't really pertain to the second part of the story until, <laughs> right? Uh, you start to, um, you start to kind of uh, uh, digest, haha, uh, the 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 information <laughs> there. Um, but so let's start with that first part of the story. Um, We'll, we'll ignore the part of the Pharisees, you know, being upset. Who cares about them? Um, but at the very least, no, no I have to point out this is classic <laughs> church behavior. Of, oh, how's that? Oh, you know, those people who probably don't like you anyway were asking about this, were complaining about this, when actually it was probably what the um, apostles themselves were worried about. <laughs> what the disciples were. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, so so just blaming on the people uh, that that already have the history of not liking him. Yeah. Like, oh, I heard from the Pharisees. You know, horrible. I have no problem people. with it, but those Pharisees, man, were they gossiping in the parking lot? Horrible people. Awful people. They said this. What do you think about? What do you think about that? Yeah. <laughs> um. So um, he he talks about um. Eating, eating something, putting something in your mouth isn't uh, what makes you unclean. Which there would have been a lot of, uh, there were a lot of religious rules around what to eat, when to eat it, those kind of things, and and already kind of this this uh, predetermined conversation about uh, food that would defile you, right? Um, um, there were a lot of rules, <laughs> and there were some about food. Well, the and you know we often I think we too quickly turn it into a theological construct mm-hmm. when re- really it's more cultural. Okay. That um, you know I have a, a four year old goddaughter who will look at something and just say I don't like that, and right. fortunately her mom's great and they have a little rule yeah I take two bites and then you can say you don't like it, mm-hmm. but. You know, it's it's very human behavior to both ha- have strict inner rules about what you do and don't like to eat, 
and also how what you eat defines what group you're part of. Mm, okay. So, so the old thing of you know, whatever your favorite food to have while watching the Super Bowl with a group of friends, that'll be a tradition perhaps for that group that gathers each year to watch that game. Okay, who's bringing the nachos? Who's bringing the five-layer dip? Who's bringing the beer? Um, you know, if any of those elements aren't there, then it's almost an invalid party. Okay. Yeah, and Thanksgiving, even even stronger that way. What are the right. Where are the candy jams? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and different families have different rules. Mm -hmm. So this is another section that connects closely with the Isaiah passage this morning mm -hmm. of opening yourself, opening your religious community to people who eat differently than you. Mm. And so, you know, that, that foundational marker of what is the other's identity. Um, you know, their food smells funny. It looks funny. It's a weird color. Um, you got to overlook that yeah. or, and even better, try it. Hmm. And then you'll be more on the right track of welcoming the foreigner of, being the house of prayer for all people. So in in order to tie it into the theological, um, what he might have been saying is, hey, you know those rules about food and, 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 and uh, what to eat and when to eat it? Some people are using that in order to persecute other people and, and put up walls against, you know, people who are not like us as to not engage with them and not... Um, maybe not treat them uh, uh, kindly or as equals or or, or anything. Would would that have been also mm -hmm. a, a kind of an intention of, of oh yeah kind of tackling that? Okay, yeah. And so then later in the book of Acts, Peter has to very personally deal with his own personal spiritual practice of keeping kosher, and God saying, "You don't get to do that anymore." Hmm. That. You, that's become a barrier between you and the Gentiles that I'm sending you to. Right. And there, it's a, a really beautiful back and forth between Peter and God about how that has to play out. So Jesus is, is in a sense, laying the groundwork for that later conversation. Interesting. Okay. Um, and obviously, as, as, you know, as he does explain it to Peter, I love Peter asking the questions for us. Um, and uh, uh, he does go into uh, this, you know, kind of. It, it's it's a it's a very beautiful way of describing um, how <laughs> how what we say um, um, matters, and and yeah. what we say is oftentimes a little bit more t directly tied to um, what we what we hold in our hearts. Do we hold malice? Do we hold uh, ill intent? Uh, there and if we do, um, our our, mouth, our mouths can't help but, you know, uh, let <laughs> let those things loose, <clears throat> and uh, um, um, obviously the, the the missing part in in this description is, you know, not to focus on such uh, things and to hold good things and good intentions in your heart and and good will come come out of your mouth, but. Uh, obviously implied uh, as to as to that so when when talking about um, what we hold in our heart 
uh, um, affects what comes out of our mouths, then we have this story about the Canaanite woman. Before we sure. take that one more step, it may be obvious, but just in case it's not, in verse 19, when he when Jesus says what comes out of the heart comes e evil intentions, murder, adultery, fornication, theft, false witness, slander, those, you know, it's a rift on the Ten Commandments. Okay. And yep. you know, it's, it's not commandment for commandment, but certainly by the time of Jesus, it's how the Ten Commandments were being interpreted and applied by holy people. And so part of what he's saying is, you know, what you have for afternoon snack is not nearly as important as whether or not you love one another. Right. And yet people, to this day, people often reverse those. Not, you know, maybe not by what they eat exactly, but, oh yes, I've, I've read the Bible for 15 minutes every afternoon, and then I go swindle my customers at my business. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <clears throat> Speaking of, I need to hurry up. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, now I'm ready to move on. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so then we have this story about uh, the Canaanite woman. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's, it's a little unsettling. Uh, because it, it's like Jesus is ignoring her. Yeah, um, she has a she has a uh, a child, a daughter tormented by a demon, and Jesus ignores her until she brings front and center uh, her case in in front of him. Um, and even when she does that, he uh, kind of challenges her. Um, saying it's not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. And she has a counter of, yeah, but even the dogs have something to eat. Uh, and then he heals, heals her daughter instantly um, as a matter of her faith. So it's, it's, it's it, one of those uh, stories that has a little bit of uncomfortable, uh, an uncomfortable narrative for us. Cause we like to yeah. think of, of, um, Jesus says, like, uh, oh, bending over backwards constantly to, you know, absolutely I'll help you with that. Absolutely we'll do this. So what is, what's going on here in the story? Why, why is it so uncomfortable? Well, what I think what's going on here is that for a few verses, Jesus acts like people around him, close to him, hopes, have always hoped he would act. Mm -hmm. That he'll support the status, the higher status of Jews, of the people whose worship is centered on the temple, that he'll support all of the various civil and religious laws that were in effect at that time. And so for a few verses, he shows what that would look like. And like you say, that makes us uncomfortable. It's like, wait a minute. Um, so we get to see as even more so, the people right there got to see what, in a sense, the anti-Jesus would have looked like. Mm -hmm. Of, no, maybe, I'm not going to do this because you are not of my people. And, yeah, maybe the Pharisee um, version of him. Even worse, um, probably Sadducee version. Okay. Because um, even the Pharisees supported mercy. Um, but the Sadducees, not so much. Got it. And... and a Canaanite is someone who was very, very, very pagan. Someone who was far from being Jewish. 
And so for a lot of people's minds, it was perfectly reasonable to see them as subhuman. Mm. So, and that's kind of what Jesus is doing here. He compares her to a puppy. Um, and that was a common insult for Gentiles um, in Jesus's time. It wasn't dog. It was puppy. So at least it was a little adorable. I got you. Um, but then we have this wonderful counter of the non-person telling Jesus how Jesus is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And Jesus said, yep, you were right. You saw through me. <laughs> um, and so it's almost comical. Um, and it's hard to see it that way in cold words on a page. Right. But I, you know, it, it's another one of these verses that you and I would probably want to see Monty Python act out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Because um, there is a certain amount of exaggeration that's supposed to be there. And a certain amount of, wait, wait, we know something's off here by what Jesus is saying. And then the punchline comes of, yep, all better. Yeah. Um, yeah. And in the midst of criticizing the faithful Jewish people, the apostles who are following Jesus, the one who gets the compliment is the pagan. Woman, great is your faith. Right. Right. Yeah, the uh, so with the turn there in verse 28, it makes his statement in verse 24 back to his disciples when they're saying, send her away. Uh, she, she keeps shouting and interrupting, and it's creating a ruckus. Get yeah. he, his response of, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, um, was not, it ends up, the, the, the turn then informs that statement to mean, um, not that, oh, yeah, that you're right, I'm not here to help her. It then turns that statement into, and she's one of the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Don't ever forget that. Yeah. That, again, it goes back to the Isaiah passage mm -hmm. that all the foreigners are now part of the lost sheep. Right. So in a way, yeah, if Monty Python were acting this out, they would be like, send her away. And Jesus goes, no, wait, shh, let it happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shh, don't say anything. And, yeah, I, you know, picture probably the person playing Peter going, "Wait, you just said <laughs> she was a dog, right? Now, now she's better than we are, right? <laughs> yes, yes, she is. <laughs> Wait for it. Yeah, <laughs> there it is. <laughs> yeah." But, uh, but yeah. daughter's better. Yeah, and then later we will get, um, or maybe it's before, I'm not completely sure in the Gospel of Matthew, we'll get the apostles saying, um, we've left everything for you, and all these people around us are getting all the goodies. Where's the stuff for us? Mm, yeah. You know, that's one of the underlying tensions that play out in the Gospels is the apostles doing a lot of the heavy lifting. And yet, mm -hmm. usually, it's the outsider who gets the compliment. Right. And especially in that culture, they would have, uh, the the living examples that they would have had, church-wise, would have been all these, you know, if you're prominent in this movement, you get elevated to a position of authority and power and greatness and respect and... Economic success. Yeah. Economic success. And that doesn't really, that doesn't really happen in... <laughs> in, yeah. the new, in the new church uh it gets uh you get attention uh 
generally the wrong kind. Yeah, and from the Romans. <laughs> from the Romans. <laughs> in a very dangerous way. Yep, but uh, but yeah, not, uh, um, not what they would have anticipated um, just considering even even the false messiahs that came before, um, I, I I believe the stories you know would have would have uh, led them to believe that they would have gained some prominent uh, yeah. prominence had um, it, for for being right. You know, this really is the messiah, and we're gonna we're gonna be we're gonna be like nudging each other. You know who who do you think is gonna be the uh, at the right hand? You know yeah. who, which one of us is gonna be the greatest? And, and uh and uh that's that's just not uh the way it was gonna go right so um well uh with that i i guess we'll plug your upcoming monty python based gospel or uh, homily <laughs> that's gonna be what? on the youtube channel here on on uh Saturday afternoon, uh, starting at 4 p.m. So we're really looking forward to it, Bruce. I can't wait for it to be all acted out. <laughs> well, I won't have that opportunity because the Reverend Kathy Gray is giving the sermon this week. Uh, okay, I misspoke. So we look forward to Reverend Kathy Gray doing a Monty Python <laughs> Not so much. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Actually, she, from what she's told me, she's going to be talking about um, the celebration of women gaining the right to vote in the United States. That, oh. we're, we're on the anniversary of that. Uh, Very cool. Yeah. Um, well, and I obviously it ties in very easily with the morning's gospel. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, well, a good tease. We won't, we won't, yeah. uh, we won't try to guess anymore on on the on that. Uh, so we'll so look forward to the church service uh, for this Sunday with with uh, Reverend Kathy Gray's uh, homily and uh, no Monty Python. Maybe you can make no me an outtake. Maybe yeah. you can make me an outtake and we'll put it in. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, with uh, with that, I think we will end this our podcast for August sixteenth, twenty twenty, proper fifteen, the eleventh Sunday after Pentecost. Uh, um, Boy, it feels like a, I, I could really make that like a longer yeah. uh, a longer title. First of its name. Right. <laughs> the Unbroken. Also known as Whitsunday. Whits right, exactly. Uh, but uh, but yeah, we'll we'll end we'll end our podcast. As as we've mentioned earlier, uh, feel free to check out our YouTube channel, HFEC videos on YouTube. Our website is HFEC.org. Uh, and with all sorts of links to uh, content. Um, but uh, Yeah, we have some new book groups forming that people are very, very encouraged to try out. They'll all yeah. be done via Zoom and should be pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, lot, lots of things still going on, even though uh, in-person meetings are scarce, uh, but uh, um, uh, still, still lots of opportunities. So feel free to uh, attend, uh, join, Give us feedback. Let us know yeah. what uh, anything that you you would like to see that you don't. Uh, we are we are we are in creative mode at this point. So we're uh, we're all ideas, all all feedback is welcome. So very much um, so. So with yeah. that, uh, I'm Ben, and I'm Bruce, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye bye. Bye. <laughs>